This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession podcast with Chef Mary Mamaliti. Any beer recipe will be built off of four foundational uh, mm-hmm. ingredients. If you taste notes of coffee, there's a good chance there's no coffee in it, but it's a result of the roasted character from the malted barley. Or if you taste grapefruit, there's probably a good chance there's no grapefruit in the beer, but it's some kind of character we were able to extract from the hops. There might be certain stone fruit characters uh, in a beer, but it's a byproduct of the fermentation that the yeast produced. And so the levers that brewers have, the infinite combinations of those four ingredients um, are really interesting. Even before you add, you know, a fifth ingredient or a sixth ingredient, you, there's so many combinations of the way. Hi, I'm Mary Memlidi, the host and co-producer of the Kitchen Confession podcast. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a subscriber, welcome back. Have you ever wondered what happened to the parts of an interview that didn't make it into the published episode? Well, then you're in luck. We try to keep each episode under 30 minutes and Matt has to be ruthless in ensuring this time is bad. So by saving those tidbits of information and nuggets of knowledge from interviews past, he can then package them up and then we share them at a later date. Today's that day. Welcome to a popular listener series called Cut for Time. This is where we share those extra snippets of some of our interviews. So let's begin. First up is Tony Bradshaw. That's episode 119, and that was published August 24th, 2022. Now, he's the founder and creator of Street Bites here in Toronto. Tony's been making us drool-worthy meals one patty at a time. You also sell mini, mini patties. We do, we do. We, um, they're the vegan, uh, we have the vegan ones as well as the coconut, I'm sorry, the uh, beef and jerk chicken. Yeah. And uh, those have been great hits for corporate events, especially with uh, all the events coming back now. Um, I've started to get quite a few requests for the minis, just two bites, um, but it, gets, it gives you that boom, that burst of flavor, uh, the five flavors that we have. So it's, it's, we're having a lot, of, my son and I, we have a lot of fun with these things and it's fun spending time with him trying to build this business from from an idea into into what we're doing now that's a lot a lot of fun so where does that idea come from to to put together so the mac and cheese patty um where is that from is it just something that you guys say hey is this something that i think would work or (laughs) is it inspired by something you've tasted it it came from um i'm always looking for what's going on in the marketplace and so when I had the restaurant before, um, there was this place out of, there's a, a patty shop out of uh, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And I used to follow them on Instagram and they did really cool stuff uh, with, with uh, crusts and, and different flavors. And so I said, you know what, it would be really cool if we can start something like that, um, but take it a step further. Uh, and yeah. so the idea just came, and a lot of these things were, whether it's the curry chicken, the, the jerk chicken, these uh, fill-ins, were recipes that we used in our catering business. We just adopted them to, you know, whether it be yep. the curry chicken we did, we do it with ground chicken instead of of, of chicken breasts and, and chicken thighs. Um, the mac and cheese, we already made the mac and cheese. So we're like, you know what, it'd be kind of cool if we can put this into a into a patty. So the idea just came from, okay, let's let's throw these together. Also in listening to what the market asked for. Because as we are at the uh, farmer's market, we get to do my favorite thing. We get to talk to people yeah. and get that instant feedback. If it's good, they'll look at you and go, oh, my God, this is great. If it's not to their liking, they might go, eh, 
oh, you can do a little bit more of this. You can do a little bit more of that. Yeah. And that feedback is invaluable. You, you know, as a business person, that's what you want. You want to be right in front of your, get, your, your customer and getting that instantaneous feedback and not having them go home, put it online or something, right? Yeah. You get that feedback and then you make that adjustment accordingly. So the ideas come from from what we see, what we feel with work, and what we like because we eat these patties every day. (laughs) Well, it's true, right? Because I always say, even when I create a recipe, if it's something that I like, there's someone out there that likes the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's a big world. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you can find that niche of of you know what, if it's whether it's the beef, it's not as spicy. So there's some people that like that. The jerk chicken is a little bit more spicier. So you just got to play with it and have fun with it. And you got to like it first. I don't make any patty that I wouldn't have myself. (laughs) Okay. So let's say, I know we've talked about all the deliciousness that you put in and the love that you put in and the creativity into each patty and into each, you know, um, recipe for each patty. Yeah. But if you had to describe or tell someone the difference, why yours stands out over other patties, what would Mm -hmm. that be? Uh, it's, It's the... The things that I mentioned before, it's the ingredients. It's the real fresh quality ingredients. Yep. It's the no coloring, no fl- no flavoring. It's what you taste is is, is real food. Um, and I think, and, and then we have, um, you know, my son and I, we make every single pack. You know, we can't keep that up as we grow. Right, <laughs> right. But uh, because it gets to the point where we're, we're making more and more and we're getting more and more popular. But it, it's just, you know what, you you know, the guy in front of you is, is the guy that makes these patties. And and yeah. I, I bring my entire fine dining uh, steakhouse background into every single bite. We, you know, we, we taste everything. And I would like to think by, you know, 25 years later that I got quite a palate for, yeah. <laughs> for great food and, and, and choosing great ingredients. So I think uh, to answer your question, what makes them different is it's ingredients, it's fresh, fresh ingredients it's it's love it's and i know a lot of people say that but it's it's my son and myself um making these these great this great treat for for our customers okay can i tell you what it was for me there was a few things mm-hmm. that stood uh-huh. out immediately when i had your pat your your beef pat your patties because it would have not even say beef mm-hmm. because they were different flavors one yeah. the filling delicious so it complements your actual crust there's flavoring in the in the actual flake pastry there's flavoring inside both marry both go together so well um you're not left looking for the filling there's Mm. just so Mm -hmm. much there um it was a standout for me because the two had so much flavor you could eat that pastry alone yes and it would be equally as delicious as the filling that's what we want. We want to make sure that because sometimes you get to the end of a patty or your first bite and you might not get filling. You should, but sometimes you don't. So if you if you just happen to get crust at the beginning or the end, especially at the beginning, you want to taste flavor. Yeah. You want that flavor to hit you right, yeah. right at the beginning and then keep it all the way through yeah. to your last bite. So we um, and we made sure that we spent a lot of time, you know, adjusting the recipe to, you know, when you bite because they 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 like you said, the fill-in and the crust should marry really well but they should be really well on their own as well exactly and so right so we made sure that we spent time to get that that perfect balance between the two and we're really really happy and i know i know a lot of people don't do what i do because i usually takes taste different parts of a meal yes i do that but not everyone does i do that as well i do that right and then when it (laughs) comes together and you're like wow this is fantastic 
Um, yeah. So I do. I enjoyed it. You could, if you couldn't tell. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you couldn't yeah, tell, we, I enjoyed when it. We were trying, when we were trying patties from all, all the different uh, yeah. patty shops in Toronto, we did that. We A lot of times we'll cut the patty open, taste the, the filling on its own. Yeah. And then taste the crust just to go, okay, and then taste them together. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I totally get what you say. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> then Tony and I get into discussing plating and what that means to each of us. Once you've listened to our take on the logistics of plating, I want you to ask yourself, what is the first thing you remember from a really good meal? Is it taste or is it presentation? For me, um, being a low vision cook, I always tell people, Yes, things need to look pretty. I get that because people eat with their eyes, blah, blah, blah. People eat with their eyes. I don't. I don't. But um, and I, I just, I want people to, to think of it differently or start thinking of it differently. What's the first thing you remembered from that dish was the flavor, right? And then after the afterthought was, oh, but it was pretty. Okay, it's pretty. It's appealing. But that flavor is what everyone takes away. Absolutely. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I like a good presentation just as much as the other person, yeah. but it really doesn't mean that mean that much no, to me. No, it's not. It's, it not really forward, it's not the first thing for me. I mean, no, obviously it can't me, be, but it never yeah. really was. It was always <laughs> yeah. about flavor because that's what I remember. The first thing I remember when I take away from a meal, I guess being low vision, it forces you to think about things differently and how Absolutely. we Absolutely. approach a dish or how... Um, it's all we all end up at the same place. It's just how yeah. we get there is slightly different. Yeah, yeah, and I guess too with sort of the the Instagram generation, you want things to be pretty to take that picture, right? But for me, I'm a little more old fashioned that way. I don't even need to take the picture. I just want to make sure that that first bite, yeah, it has me from that first bite. Exactly, exactly. And, and so, because sometimes I, I see something, I'm like, oh, this looks great, and I and like smell, you get that aroma, and then I taste it, and I'm like, oh my god, I already you know, I bit into it. It's so good. I'm like, yeah, now I can take a picture because now I believe in it. <laughs> right? So it's true. Me, it's true. It's flavor first. Flavor, flavor first. Every first. Day. Next up is Richard Park. His episode is 120 and it was published on September 7th, 2022. He's the brewmaster and VP of operations at Old Flame Brewing Co. Now Richard takes us on a journey of the anatomy of a beer. Cheers. We talk about the anatomy of your you know, standard beer. And, and most beers actually will fall under this category. Uh, any beer recipe will be built, you know, off of four foundational uh, mm -hmm. ingredients. Um, right. First being the malted barley. Mm -hmm. um, and within the malted barley category, you have all different kinds of roasts. The same way, if you're a coffee drinker, you understand you can go from green all the way to burnt. And so that spectrum, the same spectrum exists under the malted barley category. And then you have hops, um, uh, which is very much a sister, uh, you know, a sister plant of the cannabis plant. And so very much the Ooh, similar, mm -hmm, they're, they're related. And so the terpenes and the, the oils and, the, you know, all those kinds of characters that, you know, someone who um, partakes in cannabis, that same flavor wheel exists in hops as well. You can use the same. And so I love, I love talking about beer ingredients and comparing them to other things that maybe people could connect to. Um, and then you have yeast. Um, yeast is really the, uh, what we call uh, the actual brewer. You know, brewers like myself, we just produce and prepare the food for the yeast. 
but it's yeast that consume the sugars from the malted barley and as a byproduct uh, produce alcohol and carbon dioxide. Um, and then water, you know, which is you know oftentimes uh, very underrepresented in the discussion of uh, beer quality and, and beer recipes, um, but water chemistry is absolutely critical to beer styles. You know, hard waters and their impacts on the recipe, soft waters and what they do. And so, historically, um, water profiles played a huge, huge role in terms of de determining uh, beer styles and recipes around the world. Um, and so, to your point, you know, if you taste coffee, notes of coffee in a beer, there's a good chance there's no coffee in it, but it's a result of the roasted character from the malted barley. Or if you taste um, grapefruit, like the pith of a grapefruit, there's probably a good chance there's no grapefruit in the beer, but it's some kind of character we were able to extract from the hops. Um, there might be certain fruity, uh, fruity stone fruit characters uh, in a beer, but it's a byproduct of the fermentation that the yeast produced. And so what's amazing- I find that is so interesting. 100%. And so, you know, the levers that brewers have with the infinite combinations of those four ingredients um, are really interesting. Even before you add, you know, a fifth ingredient or a sixth ingredient, you, there's so many combinations you can play. Now, in a more recent episode, episode 124, that was published on November 2nd, 2022, I had a chat with Beverly Crandon, sommelier and founder of the Spice Food and Wine Group. She takes us on a wine geography tour. You are not going to want to miss this. So let's hear from Beverly. So what are three unique skills that helped you become a sommelier? Ooh, I don't know if you would call this a skill, but I have a fascination. And I've always had a fascination about world geography. Mm -hmm. um, that is definitely a skill. And uh, mm -hmm. coupled with history. And studying wine, people just okay. think, well, you just got to read the book and you got to memorize. And yes, you can do that. But it gets so much easier when you understand the evolution of a grape and the cultural or environment or environmental aspects that led to the mm -hmm. grape being where it is. Because then I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally get why, you know, um, Cabernet Sauvignon was in Bordeaux or is in Bordeaux and no longer is Syrah really grown there. I totally get it because this and this happened. Um, I think having, yeah, having a good uh, palate as well to be able to decipher uh, texture and taste um, mm -hmm. is important. Um, and just the ability to study. Like, says is, you know, you have to know the world, but they only ask you like 60 questions. So you're like, well, what 60 questions mm -hmm. are you going to ask me? But the ability to study. Yeah. Is there anything or what do most people misunderstand about your work? People just think I drink all the time. Like, honestly. <laughs> They just think I'm up here having a good old time drinking from the morning till night. And that's so not the case. There's a lot, there's a lot of studying. There's a lot of still keeping your skills current um, because mm -hmm. there are up and coming, up and coming wine regions. There are new producers of note. There are mm -hmm. new appellations. There are changes to appellations. Um, and these are all things that you still want to keep current on. Uh, and then there's a mm -hmm. lot, there's a lot of writing and marketing. I mean, it, it is a business. Um, and, you know, at your business, at job, you can't be drinking from morning to night and expect to have productivity. Right. Uh, so it still is a business for all the things that one would do for their businesses required here in terms of like reporting and financials and all that good stuff. Still has to get yeah. done. 
We'll wrap up today with a few quick and easy meal ideas from Hannah Sundarani's newest Two Spoons cookbook. Her episode 113 originally aired on June 1st. Let's talk about easy dinner meals. So you're short on time. You need to make an easy dinner. What's your go-to? Oh, that's a really good one. So the ratatouille is good because you can kind of throw it in in advance Mm -hmm. and then sort of come back to it. Um, it's a really good recipe to reheat as well. There's also a lot of like really easy side dishes. So like my green beans, almondine, like it's so easy to do. It literally takes like maybe 10 minutes. Um, you're literally just like throwing green beans in a frying pan with some olive oil, adding Mm -hmm. a squeeze of lemon, and then you're adding toasted almonds to it. And this dish, considering how simple this dish is, it is so good. (laughs) Like every time I make it, my husband and I are like, Oh, like we eat the whole thing. We're like, this is so tasty. So there's lots of really like simple things like that. I also have some recipes that are inspired by nearby culture. So I've got a recipe for some oven baked falafels, Mm -hmm. uh, which is Lebanese inspired and when I was in France, uh, Lebanese food was really popular. Um, and there were lots of restaurants, um, that featured this food. And so that's a really good recipe that you can kind of prepare in advance. And then, um, when you get home, you can just like, um, grab a few of them and then serve it alongside something like the green beans, almondine. Um, there's some really good bliss bowls in there. A lot Mm -hmm. of the recipes that you make, are really good reheated, which I love because it sort of makes like a bigger batch and then you can enjoy it throughout the week. So if you have a little bit of time on Sunday, you can make something like my mushroom bourguignon and then you can know that it's gonna taste delicious for the next two to three days. Um, Even my balsamic mushroom risotto from the cookbook, Mm -hmm. it's another really good one that reheats. So um, it takes like maybe 30 minutes to make, but then you know that you're going to have really good leftovers to enjoy for the coming days. Now, we mentioned ratatouille a couple of times. Can we just walk through a quick ratatouille? Yeah. So you're going to throw in a bunch of like different vegetables. So basically what a ratatouille is, is like, it's like a bunch of different summer vegetables, like mm-hmm. summer squash, zucchini, so tomato, and then you're going to infuse it with um, some classic French herbs. So things like thyme and basil, and uh, it's basically like a big stew. So you just kind of throw it all in a pot with this tomato sauce and you just kind of let it simmer and cook in its own juices. You're going to add some olive oil in there for a little bit of fat. And uh, at the end, you've got this like really soft, supple ratatouille. In the cookbook as well, I've got it like beautifully designed in like these slices, but I give you two versions. So if you don't have time to like slice and prepare it in this sort of like, um, it's like a little, it sort of looks like a snail, like going around the skillet. I have another version in the cookbook that I explain where you can literally just throw it in a pot and then either come back to it or you can even put it in the oven and come back to it and have it as a stew. And I actually really, I always like, I don't know about you, but I love ratatouille top with a little bit of cheese. So I'll take one of my vegan cheeses from the cookbook and I'll just like cut a little slice and top it with the cheese. And it's so good. Do you keep that? Be honest, do you keep a little jar of herbs de Provence in your cabinet? 
Oh yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I think I have like three versions of them. It's so French. And it's so good. Yeah. Especially I, in the ratatouille. Sometimes you just kind of put a little dash of it. Oh yeah. I I don't know if I mentioned the herbs to Provence, but there is two teaspoons of herbs to Provence. <laughs> is there? Oh okay. yeah, of course. You got you got to get it. And it covers all bases too. Like it's got like all the like main herbs in it. So you're kind of I love that because it's sort of like pre-prepared for you. Um and it's so French. Yeah. I I do I love having a couple of the mixes on hand if I don't have time to mix my own. Yeah. And Herbs of Provence is such a classic. I feel like everyone needs it. <laughs> That's a staple that they should it have. It is. I feel like they yeah. Yeah, I feel like it it qualifies as its own ingredient. <laughs> like its own herb. <laughs> <laughs> I know we talked about why you love cooking and what your favorite thing was about. Actually, what is your favorite thing about cooking? Uh, definitely the sharing. I just love sitting together and sharing a meal and like something that's really good. Like I'm one of those people who like, I just love to eat. And so every time I'm hungry is an opportunity for me to like eat something delicious. Like once I'm done my, my meal, I'm looking forward to the next time I'm hungry <laughs> so that I get to eat something delicious again. Like I'm always thinking of my next meal. Um, and so I love the idea that when you put a little bit of time and effort into thinking about what you want to make, it turns into an experience for you and for everyone that you love. And so like sitting down and I'm notorious for this. Like if my husband is in the kitchen and he's like making something for himself, I am the wife that hovers behind his shoulder <laughs> and is like, you should add this. And he's like, leave me alone. <laughs> but I just want him to have such an enjoyable experience. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely for me. It's like the best part about cooking is the sitting down to eat and having like that wonderful experience. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. Remember, Cut for Time is just a small peek into what goes on around here. I loved hanging out with you. Let's do it again. A new episode of Kitchen Confession Podcast drops bi-weekly on Wednesdays, so make sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. There's always a seat for you at my table. Bye for now.